Oh, Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Truly, Lord, the sum total of life is Christ Jesus. But for him, we wouldn't be here. But for him, we wouldn't know each other. But for him, we would fall apart. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you. We thank you, want to thank you as a church for your faithfulness, Lord. You brought us through 13 years. Every step of the way. Many, many were the plans of the enemy to destroy us. But you were there at every step. You protected us, you preserved us, you kept us. And you have brought us thus far. Faithfully, Lord, faithfully. We've seen so much happen in these 13 years. People getting saved, people getting baptized, young ones getting married, so many babies added to the church, those babies dedicated, those babies growing, those children getting saved, and those children getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. The word of God go to the ends of the earth, so much we have seen, Lord. And we know it's only you. It's been only you. Faithful God. Faithful God. We just want to thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, Lord. And this hour, Lord, as we look into your word, I continue to pray the word will look into us. The word would strengthen us, empower us. For the word of God has the power to heal. The word of God has the power to deliver. And I pray everyone here and everyone everywhere that's listening, wherever they are listening from, the power of God is present to heal. And I pray everyone who has come and is sitting before their gadgets listening have come to hear, to be healed, and to be delivered. For the word of God says the people came to hear and to be healed. And those who were oppressed were delivered. For you said in your word, I send forth my word and delivered you of all your troubles, your infirmities. The word has never lost its power. The anointing has never lost its power. And even this morning, and I pray, the word will go forth. The anointing will flow. And all those who need a touch, who need to be healed, who need to be delivered, who need to be set free, Oh, Spirit of God, you will take the word and do the work which only you can do. We release, Lord, the word into thy hands. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So even as we look into the word, remember also we have <coughs> communion today. If you were there yesterday, and if you were in there, I hope you listened, you had the time to listen, and uh, we go back to Titus. This time, yesterday we were looking at Titus chapter 2. Today we look at from Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Loaded verses. Whenever there are very, very short epistles, very short epistles, it is power-packed, unlike the 
bigger ones where the writer will make many greetings and salutations and all. But when the epistle is small, it's literally power packed. Okay. I mean, this three verses are mind blowing. It's enough for a pastor's conference. Paul, a bond servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before time began but has in due time manifested his word through preaching which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Can we have it in another version? Maybe an ivy? And before I forget... Uh, the door is open. Could you please close the door? Uh, remember, this evening, Pastor Vijay has a meeting with another church. It will be in Telugu. Ex- oh, it's in English. The exact time uh, when the word begins, because they have a lot of drama before that. So, exact time when the word begins, uh, we are not very sure. But, uh, Sammy, can you see it is on our YouTube channel? They have theirs, but you see that it is live on our YouTube channel, so our people around the world and our church here can listen. It's tentatively at 7 p.m. Tune evening, we have, he's speaking to the youth. And if you don't think you are old, you can listen. If you listened yesterday, you know in Titus chapter 2, uh, God says older men has to be taught, older women has to be taught, younger women has to be taught, and younger men has to be taught. Okay, so you can have prayer, the evening Zoom prayer, okay? I will be at 6, okay? 6 to 7 you pray, and 7 uh, uh, we will ha- we'll have the um, service. Um, Pastor Vijay will be preaching from here, okay? But to another church, and we all shall be blessed. <clears throat> so in Titus chapter 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect, and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God, our Savior. Okay, what an introduction. What an introduction. Okay, let's go to words one. He says he's an apostle of God. For what? For the sake of the faith of God's people, God's elect. You can go back to NKJV, okay? Faith of God's people, okay? And the acknowledging, acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. And then, if you come to words two, in the hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie, promise before time began. And verse 3, which is brought to us, manifested through preaching. Okay, so you understand why we preach, why people have been preaching from the time of Moses. Why do we preach? Because preaching is the one which increases your faith. Preaching is how you grow in the knowledge of God. Preaching is how you have the hope of eternal life. So many things are brought to light only through preaching. We saw yesterday 
how important teaching is, how important preaching is. And everybody needs to be taught. Even older men need to be taught how to live. Because we are preparing for something. That is, we are preparing for the kingdom of God, which is getting closer and closer and closer. Or death, whichever comes first. We are preparing for a life. And that is life eternal. And life post-salvation is preparation for that life. And it doesn't begin then, it begins now. Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Okay? So the purpose of preaching is to so that we further or we increase in faith. And there you will see also the knowledge. Okay? Verse 1 talks about the knowledge. And verse 2 talks about knowledge. The knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. We need truth. We need knowledge. Faith and knowledge goes together. Remember, we said yesterday too, if you do not have knowledge, how do we love God with all our mind? Okay? How do we love God with all our mind? Okay? In the world, a different kind of knowledge is exalted and people with knowledge are given titles. But in the real knowledge, that really matters is the knowledge of God. So there is faith, there is knowledge, because without knowledge, what is the basis of your faith? Because to believe in something or believe in someone, you need to have knowledge. And we are talking about the authentic faith. We need to have the knowledge of God, the knowledge about God. Because trust, faith is always trust in something or somebody. That's what we looked at yesterday when we came into doctrine. Doctrine is, sound doctrine is basically knowledge of God or truth as the word of God says. Truth came with Jesus Christ. So Jesus, Paul here is making clear there are two ingredients that brings honor to Christ in a church or a believer. One is faith. The other is knowledge which accords with godliness. Okay. So if it's, I didn't give it over there, but we know these verses, how they are all connected. Okay, Knowledge is connected to faith. Knowledge is connected to hope. Knowledge is connected to love. In uh, Peter's final words in Second Peter 3.18, he says, Grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Christ. Okay? So you can never stop growing in knowledge. You can never. You know that is true in the secular life. In secular life, the day you stop growing in your, in your, whichever area you are working, you stagnate. You miss your promotion. Especially if you are in a private company. Government, of course, by age, they promote you. But that's not genuine promotion. In the kingdom of God, in kingdom of God, you are not promoted by age. That's why the Bible says, let the older men also learn if they want to be promoted. Okay, so knowledge, the world says knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, we can never stop learning. Because as you grow in the knowledge of God, you will grow in faith. You cannot grow in faith without growing in the knowledge of God. As you grow in the knowledge of God, your hope gets stronger and stronger and stronger. We sang that song, right? When despair comes. Don't give up your hope. Why are so many... I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about Christians. Why are so many Christians during this season desperate? You know why? Because they haven't grown in knowledge. Grown in knowledge. If you come to... I didn't give it, but Philippians 1.9. I want Philippians 1.9 over there. 
Philippians 1.9. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. And in the depth of insight. You see, the more we really know Jesus, the more we will love him. That's a fact. And if we don't love him more today than last week and last month, it's because we haven't learned more about him. That's where these songs come. What is that song? I fall in love with him over and over and again. You know what? The more you know, it, it's not, it may not be true with humans. <laughs> the more you know a person, may you may dislike him. <laughs> but with Jesus, <laughs> with Jesus, it's a different story altogether. That's why we have this this incredible statements like he's the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. It's all connected with, this is one person, one person. So you need to understand how important knowledge is. So never cease this pursuit of knowledge of God. Never cease that. That's the worst thing a child of God can do. The worst thing you can do is stop pursuing. And that's that's why God used this man, Paul, to write, like I said yesterday, 14 of the 22 letters are written by Paul because this is his single-minded pursuit. I want to know him. God said, good, you shall know me and you shall let the whole world how much you knew me. And I will allow you to write 14 letters, but the other stuff you heard, you are not allowed to write. That's only for you because you so desperately wanted to know me. Okay, This is a pursuit. And you you never can, I mean, if you really know Jesus, you will never get bored learning about him. You can listen to messages through the day. You can listen to worship music. There's one thing when I don't do anything is that there is one YouTube video, it's always live, I watch, which is instrumental hymns with the background will be scenes from around the world. I'm telling you, it's the most calming, the most soothing, the most beautiful. Okay, you can just sit there and you don't have anything to do. You don't even have the strength to listen to a message. You can just watch there and you can just peace pervade your soul. One, that is his creation. Second, it's the music. It's the old hymns. Okay. I'm telling you, no, it is, you look around. I mean, how can you not look around? Not the cities, okay? Not the cities. Okay. That's the glory of man. That is Nebuchadnezzar. Look. <coughs> okay. But you look around what God has done. It is just sheerly beautiful. <coughs> so, even if you have to grow in your love for God, the depth of your love, only possible as we grow in the knowledge of God. So he's writing here a letter to Titus. Okay, Titus, like I said, is not like Timothy. Timothy and Titus are Paul's two trusted assistants, both beloved sons. But Timothy is the weak, fearful. Titus is a tough guy. He's a troubleshooter. He's a troubleshooter. When there is a trouble in a church, Paul will call Titus and send him there. If you look at Corinth and all, it is Titus. Crete is full of liars. And these liars have got saved and got into the church. He's put Titus, you fix that. He's his troubleshooter, okay? So we need all kinds of people in the church, okay? We need troubleshooters. And Titus is Paul's appointed man to, okay? And, but what is he saying? He's saying that, you know what, you need to teach. You need to see people increase in their knowledge so that they increase in their faith. They increase in their hope. They increase in their, in their love. 
But let's go back to Titus. And chapter 1. And uh, verse 2. Okay. When you have that faith and the knowledge of truth which accords with the godliness. You look at it. There's something that comes there. In hope. In hope. Hope comes over there. Of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before time began. I'm not speaking on today on faith or knowledge or love. We again want to go back to hope. Hope of eternal life. Because all we hear is good news. Any TV channel, bad news. The world is divided into two. One we have bad news and then you have good news. And in the middle of it is this good news. And good news is there only if you have hope. We know Romans 8 and verse 28. We love it. All things we know. All things work together for good to those who love God. And to those who are called according to his purpose. The question is, do we know? Why is it that it's such a powerful promise that millions upon millions God's children have clung to this promise. You know, because of hope. There is hope in that promise. That everything will ultimately work together for our good. Ultimate. And even if nothing seems to be working out in this life, God's children cling to it. You know what? Even if nothing works in my life, I still have hope it will work for my good in the next one. That's how the narrative changes in Hebrews 11.35 onwards. Women received their dead back to life and others rejected that because the, the terms was not acceptable. Terms were not acceptable. So they said, you know what? We have a bitter resurrection on the other side. We have something better promised. So there is always hope. And that hope is genuine. That hope is connected with something which God has promised. And this is a very powerful verse. And this verse is powerful only because of hope, which only God can give us. There's a story told about a ship that was wrecked and everybody died. And only one man survived. And he shipwrecked in an uninhabited island. And with the stuff he rescued from that ship, he built a small little hut and all the things were in that hut. And one day when he was out somewhere near the, in the beach of that island foraging for something, uh, I think he left his fire unattended and the whole hut got caught on fire. And when he came back, the entire thing had burned. Everything was burned into ashes and he fell on his knees and he started crying. Lord, what do I do? Now I'm marooned over here. I have nothing. Everything is burned. And a little later he heard a sound and he saw a man standing out behind him. He said, we saw your fire and the smoke and it was a ship's captain. So we came to see who is here. Then he turned around and said, Lord, thank you for the fire and for the smoke. Now I can go back home. That's what it says. All things, everything, everything will turn out for your good. If you turn back to God, if you turn, even your worst mistakes, even if your worst sins, if you turn back to God, if you repent and turn back to God, God can turn it around for your good. 
Let me explain that to you. There are two incidents in David's life which is terrible. One is 16 months in Ziglag. And then that, that 10 months or so with Bethsaida. But because he turned back to God, he becomes a man after God's own heart. God man. It is not that God loved him. It is that he loved God. You know who loves God more? The one who is forgiven much. The one who is forgiven much has experienced the love of God. That's what the Bible says about that woman who was washing Jesus' feet with her tears. Jesus looked at Simon and said, Simon, Simon. He gave a whole list of things Simon hasn't done. He gave a whole list of things the women did. And he said, you know why she did that? Because she loves much. Do you know why she loves much? Because she's been forgiven as much. You see, we all need forgiveness, but we pretend we don't. Therefore, we don't experience the love of God in our lives. That is why God is able to turn everything around, everything around. And David finishes with with the band. And he's still, at the end, a man after God's own heart. That's how. And Paul, the same thing. God could have intervened in Paul and says, don't be partaker of the sins of the Pharisees by killing my didn't. He allowed him. Including the death of Stephen and so many others. But then when he came to the Lord, that turned it around. He loved God like none of the apostles. He said, you know what? I was born out of time. I was the worst among the Lord, but he showed me mercy. You know what? How I am going to repay it? I'm going to pursue you and serve you all the days of my life. That's how God turns it around. So don't, like a skip saying, don't magnify your sin. Magnify your Savior who saved you from your sin. So there is this. Faith, knowledge of God, and above all, the hope of eternal life. It's an unbeatable cocktail. Faith, knowledge of God, love, and hope of eternal life. Now listen carefully. Hope is the foundation of even faith. Hope is even the foundation of the knowledge of truth. Hope can be even the foundation of true love. Okay, when Paul is making his mission statement in his letter and telling it to Titus about faith, about knowledge of truth that leads to godliness, you may be wondering, how can hope be? Okay, let's go to Corinthians 13, 13. And we'll come back. Now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of this is love. Okay, it's talking about God's love. Let me ask you this question. If you do not have the hope of eternal life, what use is your faith? Does it, can it stand? If you do not have hope for eternal life, what use is your knowledge? If you do not have hope of eternal life, what use is your love? Everything is based on one thing. You know what? I have hope of eternal life. Otherwise, everything finishes with death. It's over. It's finished. It's got no meaning. It's got no meaning. Everything rests upon one thing. You know what? You and I have the hope of eternal life. So knowledge will not pass away. We just carry it across. Love will not pass away. We just carry it across. 
If all my works over it does not pass away, it comes with the fire, I carry it across. All my labor is never forgotten. It is remembered for eternity on the other side. Everything has meaning. Only if you have low hope of eternal life. And that's what he's talking about. Look back and look at what he says in Titus uh, 1 verse 2. What is he, What hope is he talking about? He's talking of in the hope of eternal life. Hope of eternal life. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If there is no hope, faith has no meaning. Faith has no meaning. Without hope, faith has no meaning. Without hope, the love of God has no meaning. God loves me, but I'm going to hell. What difference does it make to you? God so loved the world. And he gave his only son, which is true. God loves the entire world. Every man from Adam to the last man, God has loved them. But most of them won't make it. Did the love make any difference to them? No, because they have no hope of eternal life. It is this hope of eternal life that makes sense. Then only we can see our trials. Then only we can see our problems. Then only we can see everything. You know why? Why will it work out ultimately for my good? Because I have something that cannot be taken away from me. I have the hope of eternal life. So faith in him. First Corinthians 13, 13. There is faith, hope, and love. You know what it is? It is what the writer of Ecclesiastes says in 4 and verse 12. The one may be overpowered by another. Two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Faith, hope, and love. It cannot be broken. They are intertwined. They're intertwined. It is impossible to break that. A man who is rested on faith in God and the hope of eternal life and the love of God, you know what? You cannot break those people. Prisons won't break them. Chains won't break them. Famine won't break them. Pestilence won't break them because it cannot be broken because this is a threefold cord that cannot be broken. So faith rests on hope. Hope rests on love. And love rests on hope. And we are saved by both faith and by hope. Faith looks to the past. When it comes to salvation, faith looks to the past. What Jesus did for us. His life, his sacrifice, his death, and the fact that he overcame death. And he broke the power of death. Hope looks to the future. What Jesus has promised. What is that? I'm preparing a place and I'm coming back again to take you to that prepared place. So faith, when it comes to the salvation work, looks to the past what Christ has done. While hope looks to the future what he is preparing for us. And everything that we do, we pursue. Everything that we do, the believer does, not the unbeliever. Unbeliever, everything is temporary. We are not running after temporary things. We are running after eternal things. Everything that we do or we should pursue is based on one thing. It is based on the promise of eternal life. So the simple thing to value. What I do, how will it matter in eternity? See, that's how a good businessman makes his investment. Sometimes he's willing to suffer loss because he knows in the long term it will be profit. 
Every business, that's how it is run, good business. First two years, they already factored the loss. But they know by the third, the fourth year, profit will come. He's making an investment, a wise investment. Okay, like IKEA started here. IKEA did two years or three years of market research in India, exactly what Indians need. And what are the how to make those products tailor-made for the Indian taste. And that's where the crowds go there. Otherwise, they won't invest that kind of millions and millions of dollars into into that kind of setup. Everything is tailor-made for the Indian mind. They studied the entire shopping habits of Indians. How each product which is sold in the West has to be reformulated for the Indian mind and the Indian taste and be sold out over there. That's how it is done. And they're willing to allow the first two years to go on advertisement and everything. And then third year, they start making profit. And God says, that's why he says that the children of this world are very smart, very wise. But he says the children of God's kingdom should be smarter. When you and I are making our investments in life, we need to ask ourselves, how does it profit me in eternity? Even it is a dressing, a piece of cloth you buy, does it profit me in eternity or not? The world may call you fashionable, but in eternity will God call me modest. It's a choice you make. It's a choice you make. Because every choice has eternal ramifications. It will either add to your rewards or it will subtract from your rewards. Either it will go through the fire or it will burn in the fire. So we have to be wise. He says, look at the people in the world, how they make wise decisions. Very smart business calls and decisions, career choices, everything. But at the end of the day, dead and gone. You have the hope of eternal life. How do you and I make our decisions? So everything is connected with eternal life. Let's turn to First Corinthians chapter 15 and see how Paul makes these arguments. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. What's the point of your faith? Why come to church? Why read the word? Why study? Just another religion. Pointless. Gives you some comfort. When you die, discomfort. Just comfort. Religion, that's why Marx and all communism and all who do not know the living God says religion is a palliative. It's an opium of the masses. Just keep you, keep you feel good. Nothing comes out of you. That dude never met Christ. Okay. And his, his theory about religion is true. But Christianity is not a religion. It's an encounter with a personal God, a living God. It is not an opium. Opium drugs you. Christianity makes you alive. Opium dulls you. Christ makes your senses alive. You are able to see much more. Your spiritual senses are awakened. You see the glory of God. You hear the voice of God. You taste the goodness of God. And you sense the presence of God. And you are really, really able to say, taste and see that the Lord is good. It is not opium. If relationship with Christ is opium, let everyone be a drug addict. Let everybody be on a high. That's what the religious people on the day of Pentecost thought. Are you drinking it? He says, not drinking. This is the Holy Spirit. We are not drunk. It's too early to drink, Peter said. <laughs> he was talking about old habits. <laughs> okay. People, people in the world will not understand it. But the fact of that is, if Christ did not rise from the dead, our faith is futile. We are still in our sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope, 
in Christ we are of all men the most pitiable what's the point of your hope there's no point another because he says we are most pitiable of all men which is true that's what i thought as a young man when i was not saved i thought Christians are the most pitiable. You know why? Because I had the pictures of all the other gods of India on my wall. And my parents were secular. They never objected. I had all. And I liked them because they looked good. They had, I wore my hair and all like that. Put that, you know, that peacock feather also in my head. I did all that because I said they're good looking dudes. And then you have this crucifix hanging over. He looked so pitiable. The only God who is hanging like this. Every other God has got a halo, so many arms, so many hands, horses, weapons, everything. This is the only God who is hanging like this. Looks terrible. And he is terrible if he has not risen from the dead. He's a failure. He's not a success. He's a failure. Doesn't matter how good he was. Doesn't matter how perfect he was. How sinless he was. If he did not rise from the dead, he's a failure. The difference is he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. That changes the dynamics. That is what makes Christianity different. You know what? It's just not his life. It is just not his death. It is his resurrection. And once resurrection comes into the picture, everything changes. And everyone who is born again is born again with the hope of eternal life. That changes dynamics. It changes everything. Everything changes with that. So everything that we do, the pursuit of knowledge or truth or sound doctrine, the increasing of our faith, godliness, holiness, righteousness, you name it in the kingdom of God. All of that is based on one promise. What is that? Eternal life. The hope of eternal life. Romans 6 and verse 23 puts it beautifully. The wages of sin is end. Of all your pursuits. Death is that door. Bang. Over. But the gift of God is. Eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus our Lord. You have to see. That is where hope comes from. Hope is the hope of eternal life. This was. And what does Titus say? One, two. Look at that. The hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before. That's an interesting statement. I never saw this anywhere else in scripture. Not a single man is born. Not a single thing has been created. But the promise of eternal life is already given. So who is it given to first? It is given to Jesus. You will come as man and I promise you Eternal life first in the flesh. You will be the firstborn among many. He's the first one to whom eternal life is promised in this body. Nothing has been created. So whom is this promise given? To him. And after that, to everybody in him. Because he is the lamp that was slain before the foundation of the world. You need to realize it is to him the promise is first made in him. So the first one to be born to eternal life in this new body. Not the angels. They have a different body. Our body will be completely different was Jesus. So the end result of atonement is what? The hope of eternal life. Now listen. Whether in this life in this world or the life of Christ in us. In life 
Hope is the key to everything. We have seen in the last one year and two months, and Dr. Richard is here, he will tell you. <laughs> Why do people are spending through their nose in the ICUs? By the time the person comes out after 20 days, 30 days, the bill is like a newspaper. You know why? Because you hope he will live. It's all based on a hope. There's no guarantee. There's no 100% guarantee. Still today there is no vaccine for COVID which gives you 100% guarantee. On the other hand, companies will say, we'll produce it only if you give us a clause. What is that? We can't give you a guarantee. Indemnity clause. That if somebody dies, they should not sue us. Otherwise, we will not produce. So, laws have been passed to give the companies, uh, what do you call it? Immunity. From what? No suit. If you or I die, we cannot file against Bharat Biotech or Covishield or AstraZeneca or Pfizer saying that. Your medicine killed me. You cannot. If you don't give them, they won't produce. Most company products do not have it. That's why even Johnson & Johnson had to pay over a billion or 500 million for the talcum powder. Because somebody sued because something happened with that. Nestle had to pay because of their milk powder. Companies, tobacco companies have paid in through their noses. Companies don't have it. Only certain products are given that by law. Meaning even the vaccine doesn't give you hope. Yet people still will invest so much. Without hope, life has no meaning. Why do people commit suicide? Because they have lost hope. They have lost hope. All the parents sitting here, all of us, why do we invest so much in our children's studies? Don't say faith. <laughs> hope. We may not have much faith in our children, but we still hope one day they will amount to something. Amount. All children are not great in studies, but we still hope. We still hope they will amount to something. Why do people invest so much in business? Because they have hope. Even the thief who gets out at night to steal, he goes out with hope. That tonight may be my night where I will get my... Where there is no hope. Where there is no hope. Okay? okay. Why do couples still not fight with each other? Fight for their marriages. How long will they fight? As long as there is hope. When hope is gone, the marriage is gone. You see, why this Samaritan woman marry five times? She still hoped this will work. When the institution couldn't hold it together, she still thought, okay, the sixth one is there. Maybe this will work. You take hope away, what you have is a living death. Without hope, man cannot survive. People cannot survive. Religion, on the other hand, is hope with which you die with. Not live, die with. If you ask a Muslim, Inshallah. Give me one religious person who can tell you with guarantee where they are going. They don't know. I hope. I hope. Nobody. Nobody is sure. Religion only gives you a hope, a false hope to die with. 
It is like a passport. You don't carry your passport wherever you go. You carry your passport only when you are traveling. That too when you come to the immigration counter, there is this duck duck with all your papers in order to... You still do not know. No? When I go through the first and the next one is staying, I am always looking. When the second one's passport is looking over there, first thing it is red. Then he will type everything in this thing, then he preaches. It turns green and the style opens, you can go. But if it doesn't become green, the other person is on the other side. Okay. So religion is only like a passport. When you die. But there is no guarantee. The fact is, you will know only when you die, whether you crossed over or not. That's the problem with religion. cases or 100% of religious cases is it is red. But by your, you're too, too late. You cannot come back. Blessed are those who were resurrected. They had a second chance like Lazarus, the widow at Nain's son and Jairus' daughter. I don't know what they saw, but they got a second chance. And you don't get a second chance usually. Okay? Christian hope is not that. That is not our hope. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and to 6. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. To what? Living hope. Living hope. I hope you have it. You know, that's why I said you should not be afraid of death. You die, I stand, die preaching, I know where I'm going. There's no doubt about it. Why? It's connected with somebody else's work. It was connected with my work. That's the problem with religion. That's why nobody is sure. Nobody is sure. So simple question ask is how many times do you get baptized? Once. If you're truly saved, you get baptized only once, right? Only once. How many times do you go for Hajj? As many times as you can. How many times do you go dip in holy rivers? As many times as you can. Why? Because there's no hope. The man who is saved baptizes only once because he knows. It's done. It's done. He who believes and is baptized, he's saved. He knows. And he knows it's got nothing to do with me. It's got to do with the work of somebody else. But religion is entirely based on your works. Entirely based on your works. Whether you are a Hindu or a Muslim, Buddhists are the ones I pity most because Buddha was an atheist, so I don't know what they are worshipping still. Okay. He never spoke about God. He never spoke about God. He was open. He was. He didn't know anything about God. So I don't even know what the nirvana he achieved. When you make sacrifices, it should be worth it. I can understand you leaving your kingdom, your throne, your wife, your child, and you found God. He found nothing. What is the sacrifice all about? You need to make, when you sacrifices need to have meaning. Okay, so we make our sacrifice, it has meaning. We will be rewarded on the other side. We'll be rewarded on the other side. So religion is a gamble in which everybody loses, nobody wins. Okay, but we are begotten into a living hope. How does our hope become living? Because he rose again from the dead. Because he rose again from the dead. That's why our hope is living. Okay. And you don't, you do not have that in other religions. Did Buddha rise from the dead? No. 
Is there any avatar who rose from the dead? No, they died or they disappeared. They did not shed any blood. The only one, if I am right, who shed blood was Krishna. I think his toe was moving and the arrow was shot at his toe. But nobody. There is no redemption. There is no... And every avatar was to come to kill the sinners and save the righteous. Here it is, coin is flipped. Save the sinners and the righteous can go on your own. Religion is entirely dependent upon your works. So you have no hope. You have no hope. You are not sure at all. But we have been begotten into a living hope. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5 and 6. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. Hope is there. Faith is there for salvation, ready to be revealed. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. You may be going through all kinds of trials, going through great, but you still rejoice. You know what? Because you have been begotten to a living hope. You know this will end one day. It will end one day. And there will be an incredible transformation. So there is a living hope. There is faith. And if you come to verse 9, 8, whom you have not seen you, you see, everything is connected with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and eternal life. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I have eternal life. Therefore, my hope is real. And because he rose from the dead, my faith is real. And because he rose from the dead and I have an eternal hope, you know what? I love him. I don't have to see him to love him. I will see him one day. I will see him one day. I will see him one day. Okay, I'm, I'm the only one I can ask this question is, Apu, do you love your baby? <laughs> Look at her smile from here. Okay. Have you seen her? Him or her? No. Scan is one thing. That's not the real picture. Have you seen your baby? No. Do you love your baby? Yes. See, every mother sitting here actually knows how to love without seeing. Without seeing. And yet that baby, from the time of conception, has only given you trouble. Nausea in the morning, nausea in the evening, throwing to the left and throwing to the right and troubling your husband, unable to eat. All can back pain and leg pain and swelling and you talk about it. But do you love that baby? Yes. Of course you have gone through many griefs and very trials. But you love him. Whom you have not seen. You know all why? Because of one thing. You have the hope of eternal life. Hope of eternal life. One day, you and I know, you know what? All this will be over and you will be with him forever and ever and ever. So I said hope, faith and love are threefold God. And hope is fundamental, is foundational to our faith. If Jesus is not guaranteeing us eternal life, life has no meaning. Has no meaning. Then you should be an Epicurean. Eat, drink and marry. Who knows how long you will have life. Have a blast and die. You don't do that. You are waiting for a blast on the other side. It's a blast without end. Joy forevermore. Oh, I am excited by Jesus. The believer's hope is not what you die with. It is something we live with. That is what makes our life meaningful every day. That is what causes us to endure trials, grief, 
and sorrows and even loss. Because our hope is eternal living hope. You know what God tells about us who are born again. And you know, I mean, Apu is here, Sabagya is there, and Kirti is there, and of course, Reni's, um, not Reni. Um, Reni's babies are already there, and Tabitha's baby is already out, okay? You know what he says? By the faith of the parent, our children are holy, are sanctified. Do you get it? Our children are holy and set apart. When they grow up, of course, they need to know the Lord. It's a different thing. But from the womb, they are set apart by what? Because of the faith of the parents. Now think about it for a minute. Why did David rise up and go worship in the temple, come back and eat when his son died? Because he's got a living hope. I know he's not coming back to me. But I know I will go to him. Go to him. That is why the Bible says there is a sorrow in the world which leads to death. But there is a sorrow in in the kingdom which leads to salvation. We don't grieve like people who do not have hope. We grieve like people who have hope. Right? When our parents, when our children leave or when we were children, I mean in my case, when we were children, my parents left. I was small. I know it was heartbreaking. You're a kid who grew up with them. They dropped you with grandparents and they are going. And they won't even take you to the railway station knowing that you will howl and cry. So they leave you. And you know, when they leave you from my grandfather's house, I can see the train passing by. I can still remember the train passing by. And I will stand there looking, knowing that my mother will put her sari's pallav out. And I'm looking in the entire train. And there is that pallav. I know I see my parents only a year later. But you knew you would see them a year later. So we grieve when our children or our parents or anybody dies. But we do not grieve like people who do not have hope. Because we know they are not coming back to us. But we know we will go back to them. We know we will go back to them. You do not have that living hope. Then life has no meaning. Has no meaning. Why did that hope come? Because he rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. So the worst thing you and I can do in life is not to be a witness to this gospel. That's why Paul says, Woe unto me! Woe unto me if I do not preach this gospel. This is good news. There is no better news. This is not good news. This should be called the most excellent best news. There's no better news than this. That man, sh- not that song, no. Man shall not, shall live evermore. Because of Christ. Shall live forevermore. She will not die. Because the greatest fear, the greatest sorrow was always death. Not sickness. It is death. The wages of sin was death. I always think about Adam and Eve holding the dead body of Abel. The, the ramification of eating that fruit, disobeying God, is it is right before them. The father and the mother holding that son of theirs. Head is probably crushed. The other son is missing. Heart stiff and they are holding. Oh, this is, for the first time they are seeing what the death of a man looks like. Holding the lifeless body of their son. Death. From that day, 
till today. And today the specter of death everywhere. And it's various forms. The grotesque forms. where We don't even want to see the videos of the pictures of black fungus. We don't want to see that. We don't delete it immediately. We don't want to see that. Why? Because death in its most virulent form, eating away the face, the eyes, the nose, the brains. But you know what? Death has been overcome. Death has been overcome by Jesus. So we see over here in First Peter, we have been begotten, born again into a living hope. We have kept by the power of faith. Though we do not see him, we love him. This threefold cord cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. So our hope, it comes, it's a hope comes because of eternal life. So like I said, hope is faith looking into the future. And God has promised something. God has promised something. What is the proof of that promise? It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begun to us again, begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is the proof which is outside. You go to Jerusalem, there's a tomb that is empty. That is empty. Christ's tomb is empty. The proof. And in Revelation 1, 17 and 18, this is what he says. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his hand on me, right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Evermore. I was dead. Why did he have to die? What I was And I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and that's what I said. The devil doesn't even have the keys to his own house. Like I said last time, he was a disgruntled employee. He was terminated from service. And all his Twitter feeds animosity against his ex-boss. Who is still his boss. So we have to look at the reality of the resurrection changes everything. And what is the proof inside? Outside is the proof, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is the proof inside? There is, you need to have a validation inside. What is that? Ephesians chapter 1. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, what happens? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promised. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We have an inside proof. That's why you cannot prove to an unsaved man you are saved. He does not understand who is in you. There is somebody inside you who is actually teaches you to call him Abba Father. Like yesterday in the Q&A, we were talking about how many times the Catholics pray, the Lord's prayer ten times and all. It's because they don't know God. It is not a mantra. It is not a mantra. It is 
this doctrine in that prayer, this is how you should pray. And the first statement he makes is, this is, and it's a mind-boggling statement for all the Jews who are listening, who won't even pronounce the name of God. They will not even write. You will not say Yahweh. They will write with one iPhone over there. They won't pronounce. It's so holy his name is. And he comes and down and says, you know what you can call him? You can call him Abba. Father. That's where he begins. Why? The spirit of God who is within you causes you to call him Abba, Father. What's the first thing he tells Mary Magdalene? Touch me not, for I haven't ascended to Father. Go and tell everybody, I've gone to my Father and your Father. It changes, the dynamics changes, completely changes. So the Holy Spirit is the inward proof. And that is the key. So there are a lot of Christians who will ask, so what does this mean, born again? A born again person does not ask what is born again. He knows what it is. He doesn't know how to explain. But he knows he is born again. But those who is not born again will say, I am Christian, but you people say you are born again. What does that mean? Born again means the Spirit of God is in you. You have begotten again. That's what the word of God says. Second time, even the great theological scholar Nicodemus did not understand his thinking. Born again, how can I go back? How can I I be born again? God says no. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You see, there is a proof of eternal life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ that is outside of me. The very proof of that, the inside, is the spirit of God within me. Because the very spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8 says, has quickened me. Has quickened me inside. The very spirit who raised him from the dead has come and worked in me. And that is my proof. We call it earnest money deposit. <laughs> when you start, you want to do a tender or something in the government, you have to deposit something. Otherwise, you, they will not consider your tender. If your tender has to be considered, you have to put EMD. It's like 10% of, I want to take this contract. The contract is for 2 crores. They will say you have to put in 20 lakhs or 10 lakhs. So that all the non-serious fellows will go. Only the serious fellows will there. Who wants to buy it for the contract? The contract ultimately will go who offers the lowest rate. I will finish this work. So you have to put 10% has. Okay. You cannot start a bank account until you put a minimum deposit. The minimum deposit, that means you are an account holder. God says, I will also prove to you are an account holder in heaven. I have put a deposit there. A deposit of my Holy Spirit. That is your proof. And nobody nobody can question somebody's salvation. You know that you are saved. Okay. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, that is the hope of my salvation. That is the hope of eternal life because the one who raised Jesus from the dead is living in me. Therefore, when I die, he will raise me to up to hope of eternal life. How that hope changes the dynamics of life. And it is real. It is real. Therefore the word of God says, therefore because of that hope of eternal life, that is what makes meaning to our life. That's why we do the stuff why we do. Why do we gather for worship? <laughs> this is not religion. Why do we sing the songs which we sing? Religious people, their songs are different. Religious people, their songs are different. I remember all the days of my life where it was torture. As a child, you know. 
just torture because you didn't understand. You know, you know how we used to pray at home? It was like this. You were being crucified over and over and over again every night without understanding what it was. Honestly, there was no joy in our worship at all. Have you gone to genuine mainline churches where, you know, there is no joy. There is no joy. In those old days when I was young in the Catholic church, I would hear the priest shouting at the nuns because they can't pick a tune. He can't sing well. It was cacophony over there. It is a sad thing. You know what happens? Why is there no... That, that is the characteristic of salvation. The people used to say in the book of Acts, you will say, look how they love each other. Look how much joy is there in their worship. Joy is there in their worship. Where does the joy come from? <laughs> Where does it come from? Because we have an eternal, eternal hope. That's why Paul and Silas are singing. Why? At the end of the day, I have a promise, fine. But even if I die here, I know where I am going. You know what I will do? Let me sing. If this is where I am going to die, let me grow across singing. Not with a long face, I will go across singing. Are you understanding that? I hope you are getting it. Right? So everything in life, like I said, in the world or in the kingdom of God, there is hope. When a farmer sows, he sows in hope. He hopes for a harvest. When a student writes and writes his exams, he writes in hope. And those who do don't do well, hopes COVID will give him a pass. <laughs> At least he hopes for mercy. Okay? This is the most hopeful generation when it came to exams. No? When you get married, you get married in Sometimes hope dies, but <laughs> yet, that's what I said, you know, even when so many things in life fails, you can still live in hope. Let's say your, your marriage fails, but there is a wedding feast that is coming, a marriage that coming. So you can still learn from this marriage, this marriage for that marriage. Remember yesterday I gave you a snippet about what older women should teach younger women, because we do not know. You need experience how to love their husbands, how to love their children. So even if your marriage has failed, you can be a bright student on the other side because you learned how to love. How to love. And on that day it will be a blast because you got this man who is the kindest man you will ever meet in life. So your marriage can be a failure, but you don't have to fail. Your business can be a failure, but you don't have to fail. You don't have to fail. There's no guarantee when you're running a business here on Christian terms, on godly terms, you will prosper. The chances are you will fail. Because the system is crooked. But you still learn business principles the heavenly business principles. Therefore, he says, occupy. I have come. You take over. Because you have learned the lessons. Like I said, you may not be brilliant student like so many from what Pastor Vijay calls China. Okay. Narayana, whatever, Chaitanya. You are not brilliant like that. But 
you learn the fundamental principles of a student that is hard work integrity discipline all that and, but you don't have the marks to show it because you were not brilliant like the others but you learned what god wanted to learn so you you know what happens on the other side god says you you are not a pass you are excellent because you learned what christian education was supposed to teach you you have, that is where our hope comes from our hope otherwise jesus when he died he looks like a failure moses when he died he looks like a failure paul when he dies he looks like a failure these are the three most successful people ever in human history and they will have rewards like no man ever but if you look at how they finished in the eyes of the world they didn't finish well but they actually finished very well so that's where hope comes from so if you do not have hope you will die or you will live a living death because our present is directly affected by our hope of eternal life once upon a time ephesians 2 says once upon a time what kind of people were we we were people without hope therefore remember that you once gentiles in the flesh that's where we are all that no jews sitting here all were gentiles gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands that means the hebrews call us uncircumcised at that time you were without god being aliens from the commonwealth of israel strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope without god in the world you know how we were we lived in this world with no god no hope if we had died without being saved we would have gone to hell we had no hope because we had no god the only ones who had any sense of hope were the hebrews i won't say the jews the hebrew jew and hebrew are two different terms jews are yahudi from the tribe of judah hebrew is everyone who crossed the river everyone who crossed the river why did they have hope they had only hope because god gave a promise to his servant abraham and you had to believe in that promise otherwise they had no hope they had no hope but nobody remember nobody had hope except the hebrews except the hebrews mankind lived on earth without hope and without god and if the hebrews had hope they had hope only because of the promise god gave abraham look at that promise genesis 15:5 and 6 and galatians 3:16 then he brought him outside and said look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them oh let's go to kjv all these translations are wrong let's go to kjv yeah 15:5 and 6 He brought him forth abroad and said look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou will be able to number them and he said unto him so shall thy seed be it's not plural not seeds the seed be he believed in the lord he looked up and he saw jesus he saw jesus that's why jesus said abraham rejoiced to see my day he saw jesus and in jesus was all of us every child of abraham who believed was in jesus he saw jesus and he believed not because he saw the stars no 
If you look, see the stars, you are not considered righteous. You are considered righteous only when you see Jesus. So even the thief on the right hand, on one side of Jesus, when he looks at Jesus and says, Lord, when you come to your kingdom, remember me, he's considered righteous. Abraham is considered righteous because he puts his faith in Jesus. The thief is considered righteous because he puts his faith in Jesus. So only the Hebrews had hope. If you look at Galatians 3.16, Paul, a Hebrew, explains it beautifully. He says, now to Abraham and his seed as his capital where the promise is made. He does not say and to seeds. That's why every translation, almost every translation, every language is wrong because they did not correlate to this thing. And they still write dissonance over there. When it is not talking about dissonance, it is talking about the capital S seed. It's talking about Jesus Christ. Not if you look at the stars and see, oh, my children will be like that. How do you become righteous? Righteousness comes by faith and faith alone in Christ Jesus. There's only one faith, righteousness that is acceptable. You have to see the work of Jesus Christ. Believe in the work of Jesus Christ alone. And Abraham saw that and Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. And rejoiced. And he says, to, he does not say to seeds as many of as one to your seed who is Christ. So only the Hebrews had hope. Why? Because of the promise given to Abraham. Promise. They had hope. And the promise was the work of Jesus Christ. And everything in Judaism, the religion, you have it in the Old Testament, is entirely connected with Christ. When they come out of Egypt, it is only because they put faith in the blood of the Lamb, which is the blood of Jesus. And their destroyer passes over them. If Rahab's household is saved, it is only because she believes in the blood. A Gentile believes in the blood and she has hope. She is not destroyed along with her city. And when the tabernacle is made, everything is connected with Jesus. Actually, if you look at the entire format, is in the shape of a cross. The labor is Jesus. The bronze altar is Jesus. The table of shoe bread is Jesus. The, the candlestick is Jesus. The incense altar is Jesus. The mercy seat is Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Every one of their festivals is connected with Jesus to the final one. The blowing of the trumpets is he coming back. And he will tabernacle with his people. It is entirely found meaning with Jesus. You take Jesus out, Judaism has no meaning. It's just a dead religion. Outside Jesus there is. So Abraham saw Jesus and God said, you are righteous. You are righteous. So we who were Gentiles and all of our forefathers were without God and without hope. Without hope. But it doesn't stop over there. Ephesians 2, the next verse. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus. We were far from God. We have been brought near to God by the blood. Gentiles and Jews are able to go now to God through a living hope, through the blood, the work of Jesus Christ. So we've been birthed into a a living hope. So Romans 15 and verse 13. Our God has, in the new covenant is really the God of peace, right? The God of power, the God of love, the God of hope. Our God is the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Bound in hope. You see, I will always tell this to children of God, okay? Your joy you manifest in your day-to-day life and your peace is directly proportional to your hope. 
when you are downcast when you are discouraged when you are down be very sure you have taken your eyes from there and put it down downcast because we have been birthed to an eternal living hope and he is the god of hope and he will fill you with all joy and peace in believing why so that you may abound in hope like i said they are all connected the more you grow in knowledge you more you grow in hope the more you grow in faith you more you grow in hope the more you grow in love the more you grow in hope and the more you grow in hope you grow in all these things and we cannot we cannot at this season like this we cannot go around like moros like that fellow in winnie the pooh what is his name the donkey's name eor ah yours and i saw eor you can never make him happy you can never make him happy you can never make him laugh you know because <laughs> i used to read all these things when the kids were small and that was one moros character eor and sometimes christians walk around like eor and you become an eyesore no you should you should not we have been burst into a living and the holy spirit will fill us with hope what does hope do turn to second corinthians 4 words 8 to 9 we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted not forsaken struck down but not destroyed why because we have a living hope why have we not crushed if you have that hope of eternal life you cannot be crushed you cannot be crushed you may be in despair you may be perplexed but you are not in despair no we sang that song right you may be perplexed completely like i said i have no idea where this world is going literally but there is no despair because we know where it will end <laughs> we don't know where it is going but we definitely know where it will end absolutely clear the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ and it is not that he will rule for 5 days or 5 years he will rule forever even when the devil is set free after a thousand years he still does not overcome jesus he is destroyed so when the kingdom comes it is forever and ever and you look and you know that kingdom is already inside there so why do i have to wait for ever and ever i can manifest that kingdom now righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit that is the kingdom of god and the kingdom of god is not eating and drinking it is righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit and the kingdom of god is not a matter of talk it is a matter of power so we may be persecuted but we are not forsaken why you have a living hope within inside you may be struck down but you cannot be destroyed what is eternal cannot be destroyed by something that is temporal your problems are temporal but you are eternal how thing that is how can something that is temporal destroy something that is eternal what is temporal is your body what is eternal is your soul it cannot be touched the devil can't do anything to it the world cannot do anything to it because we have a living hope first corinthians 15:26 the last enemy that will be destroyed is death but in christ it's already dead but one day physically it will happen we will experience it physically death will be broken the power of death 
and it talks about that when it happens. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, that is the day you will stop dyeing your hair, <laughs> worry about hair fall, and we men will worry, stop worrying about our family pack, which we pretend is a six pack, but it's actually a family pack, and becoming a big family pack. Okay, all those things are gone. The aches and the pains and the sickness, the fear of sick. Everything will go. What will happen? The tingling of an eye. The corruptible would have put on incorruption. Mortal has been put on immortality. And then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. We truly will be able to say, oh death, where is your sting? Oh Hades, where is your victory? And how are we able to say that now? Because we have been born again into a living hope. The hope of Eternal life. That is why we can take any amount of junk and still plow on, move on. It doesn't matter how unfair life is. You still move on. It doesn't matter if people treat you like dirt. You still move on. People in the world will say life sucks. But for us, life is fun. Because it is only a foretaste of what is coming. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, you have tasted the power of the ages to come. The Holy Spirit in us is just a foretaste of the glory that is coming. Of what is coming. We just have had one, what is that? One spoonful. From that ocean that is lying ahead. Okay, that's lying ahead. So we can take any amount of junk. Children of God should be able to. So when people, when bad things happen to you, uh, like this man of God in, when he was in Singapore, uh, everything went crazy. Absolutely went crazy in his life. He asked this question to God, Lord, why me? Answer was, why not you? Who can better handle this than you? You want me to put it on an unbeliever? He asked him the question. Who cannot handle it? Or you? Who can handle it? And then out of it, my testimony comes out. We need to understand. We are the only set of people who should be able to handle stress. Why oh, I am stressed out. Who told you? We don't need stress relievers. You need to take rest. Physical rest is a complete thing. This, I'm not worried about physical rest. <laughs> that you should do. Even Jesus took his disciples aside and gave them rest. And what was his medication for Elijah for stress? Sleep, eat. Sleep, eat. Now get up and walk. The only thing he needed was a good meal and a good sleep. And some of you need that. Or maybe you need to eat less and sleep less. <laughs> whichever way. <laughs> But we don't need any other stress reliever. We are not stressed out. Are we stressed out? No, we are not stressed out. What we need, if you are stressed out like the children, book of Acts pastors and the apostles and then the group of them and they are persecuted, go back and say, Lord, fill us up all over again. Because the Spirit of God, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a stress reliever. He can handle anything. The Spirit in you, the Christ in you can handle everything. And the last enemy is death. Even that has been swallowed in victory. So the child of God can get up each day and move on. Why? 
because we have been begotten into a living hope. Go to Matthew 5 and verse 10 to 12. 5, 10 to 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when shall men shall revile you, persecute you, say, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. So, if you look at this whole statement, only bad is mentioned here happening to you. But how can you rejoice? Because of two things mentioned there. One, for yours is the kingdom of heaven and yours is the reward in heaven. It is connected with the eternal hope you have. You take that heaven off and the reward in heaven off, you will not be able to rejoice. So God is not telling you just rejoice like a madman. He's not saying, he's be very sane and rejoice. You know why? But the kingdom of heaven, which is connected with your eternal hope, it's yours. And the reward that is, is yours. There's a reward for you. Yes, you're going through. Life doesn't treat you fair over here. You're going through a lot of unfair situation. Every dirt is thrown on you. But you rejoice. Why? Because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is yours. And there is a reward for you there. It's not that just you go over there with nothing. There is a reward for you over there. Look at that, how beautifully Peter puts it across the Holy Spirit again. Eternal life, eternal rewards. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And to what? We were born again to a living hope, to an inheritance. Where? In heaven. Incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Your house in heaven will never need a paint job every five years. It will never need. Your garden won't need mowing. There are no weeds and thistles over there because there is no curse there. You will not have to work by the sweat of your brow because you have been freed from the curse. There is an inheritance reserved for you. Incorruptible. Nothing can touch it. Undefiled. Nothing unclean will ever come into it. And it will never fade away. Look at your wedding rings for a second. All who are married, look at your wedding rings. Hasn't it faded? Especially if you do the dishwashing at home, your gold ring also will fade. Look at his shape. Mine, I can't take it out. If I take it out, you will suddenly realize it is not circular anymore. It is a weird shape. Okay. But your inheritance in heaven, it does not fade. It will never, never fade. It will never fade. So blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake because the kingdom of God is yours and you have a reward in heaven. You have not only been begotten into a living hope, there is an inheritance there over there. It is incorruptible, it is undefilable and it is, it will never ever fade. That's how you fight through life. That's how you hang in over there and say, you know what? I will last. I am not a quitter. I am not going to give up. You need to have the same resilience of people in like in the Old Testament like David. Okay? I mean, what kind of a man is he? 
goofed up completely and the question he asked is, shall I pursue? Not what should I do? He's already decided what he wants to do, but shall I pursue? Will I overtake? Because he is messed up, he does not have the courage to ask God, will you give me victory? But he says, at least I will fight. Can I pursue? Will I overtake? And God comes, boom, immediately. Pursue. You shall surely overtake. And without fail, recover all. Everything. And he recovers all. You know? And we need to have that attitude. You know what? I am not going to get bowed down by any of this thing. You know what? I have an eternal destiny. I have an eternal inheritance. You know what? I am going to pursue. I am going to pursue. I want to pursue those things, right? God talks to different kinds of people, to young people. God will say, you know, flee this thing and pursue righteousness, peace. Pursue these things. Why do we pursue these things? Because they have eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. When our children are young, I mean, especially, you know, not my children, but Pastor Vijay's and all children, no? Math, 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 because it is IIT. Pursue! <laughs> IIT. Like everybody in India has IIT dreams. Ultimately it becomes ITI. <laughs> Finally it's a, Lord, if not, at least ITI. ITI is from where you get plumbers and electricians and all. It's also a little alphabet, little here and there. <laughs> Profession changes. <laughs> okay. That's how desperate people are on earth. God says you guaranteed. Guaranteed. Would you just pursue? Pursue. See, we need to really, if you use gambling terms, the load is dice, the dice is loaded for our sake. You, we, it, it is so, I mean, if you understand scripture, if it is understand scripture, it is so difficult to enter heaven as a failure. Because your father is for you all the way, every day, every moment of the time. He's not, he's not like our earthly parents who worry and don't sleep. He does not worry, but he does not sleep. He watches when you go out. He watches when you come out. He blesses when you go out. He blesses when you come out. He says, you are in the city, you are blessed. You are in the town, you are blessed. You are in the village, you are blessed. Everything you do will be blessed. He says, I'm just waiting to see you end up here as a success. And yet we fail. <laughs> How do we fail? Because we get trapped by the temporal. The devil knows we are loaded to succeed. So what does he do? Yes, use all your resources. Run for the temporal. Forget the eternal. He knows. He, you see, he, he, an energized Christian he cannot stop him. So what does he do? He turns his energy the other way. He just turns his energy the other way. Use all the resources which God has given you. Run after the world. And like Dimas, you love the world ultimately and depart from Paul. So Dimas has no testimony. Paul has a testimony. I have finished my faith. I have run my race. I have kept my faith. Now it is resolved for me. What does Dimas have to say? Nothing. Nothing. Right? Abraham is a ten dweller till the last day of his life. Lot was sitting in a house. Look at my house. 
look at my baby, look at my bache, and one day nothing. Abraham is still living in his tent. But everything he looks is been given to him and his descendants. And you know what? That promise which God gave Abraham is still not fulfilled. This entire earth will be one day given to the descendants of Abraham. His true spiritual sons will inherit the earth. That promise is being fulfilled at different levels. The final fulfillment is yet not. One day, this entire world will be taken over by whom? Descendants of Abraham. And who will rule from? From Jerusalem, the son of David. And David is the son of Abraham. The son of Abraham will rule from Jerusalem. The whole earth will be given over. Okay. Well, another man who came with him, entered into the promised land, ran after a temporal life. Used all his resources, but ended up as a total failure at the end. So God is saying, be careful, don't mess up. The devil is a crook. He's an absolute, absolute crook. Second Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. Only a living hope can overcome our despair and our distress. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Anybody who's lost their heart? Not lost their heart in the other romantic way, but, uh, <laughs> okay. Anybody? Don't lose your heart. We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. No? You see, so many of your desires in this, in life, is connected to the outward man. Right? As we grow older, as we, two of us are here, as we grow older, so many of the things of the past of the youth doesn't make sense. Doesn't have any meaning. Doesn't have meaning. Why? But the outer man is perishing. Outer man is perishing. Okay, like when you are young, you want a racing bike. What am I going to do with a racing bike? On the other hand, the young people sitting over here, you give them a bike, they will go room, room, room. What am I going to do with that bike? Think about the stuff which you... None of these things interest us. Gadgets don't interest me. Okay, Robert, Pastor Vijay is there. I think till he dies, if you give him a robot, he will, okay, he will still play with it, okay? But you know, a lot of things have no meaning because the outer man is perishing. We don't lose heart. Let us put the term over there. We don't lose hope. Even though our outer man is perishing. Why? Because the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know, inside somebody is being prepared for eternity. Where it is life without end. And joy for a different life altogether. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. And verse 8 is the clincher. 18. While we do not look at things which are seen, but things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. It's, it was very difficult. I mean, your generation is different. My generation is different. For us in India, our generation, it was very difficult to believe anything was temporary. A car ambassador has to last a lifetime. 30 years, 40 years, it will still run. No. <laughs> if you were my generation, you would not even ask for a second pen from your father because one pen has to last the entire academic year. Maximum you would get the benefit of a second nib. 
you didn't go to your examination hall with pens you went with an ink bottle and a pen and a blade that is to clean the nib so everything was supposed to last forever but the things which we see are temporary but the things that we see are eternal 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 maybe you do not understand why i was that hymns and that scenery because all the scenery will be the mountains and the lakes and i miss the mountains but i look at it and says you know what it's okay one day i will have it one day i will have it delight in the lord now one day he will give you the desires of your heart i will have my home by the mountains beside a river i will have it so it is not these things are all temporary there's something that is eternal that is going to come and there will be no landslides no flash but this is the fear if you don't understand fear of living in the mountains the only fear of the mountains is the landslides and the flash floods oh boy the entire town can get wiped out in seconds it will go it has happened we have seen it with our eyes that's the only fear but you don't have that fear also we don't have that fear also so please remember we live but we do live with hope we do not lose hope even when all these things happen we know you know what it's all temporary there's something that is permanent eternal coming second thing you will live life be very careful because your eyes are fixed in eternity that doesn't mean you live a slothful lazy life that's a very dangerous thing you live a life of expectancy Matthew 24 verse 13 you never never give up he who endures to the end shall be saved this is the fallacy of many 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 believers because eternity is sure they take it very lightly here eternity is sure eternal rewards is not sure eternal life is sure eternal rewards is not sure so don't be complacent those who have been born to a living hope should strive more than anybody anybody for the things that matter in eternity be very careful luke 19:13 he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them what did he say start occupy it is occupy till till i come till the hour till the hour till the moment he appears he should be finding us pursuing the things and doing the things which he called us we are not people who are slothful there will be no lazy person in heaven god will not accept it god will not accept it we should we should have hebrews 6 verse 10 and 11 for god is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and to the minister and what is verse 11 and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of what until the end how can you be very sure of your reward if you are found occupying when he comes when divas was walking with paul ministering with paul his hope was very clear i will get a reward but he when he left paul and went into the world his hope is gone there's no rewards he quit he quit 
I'm not saying Dimas lost his eternal uh, salvation. I'm not saying that's not mine. We do not know. It's an open-ended question. How he ended, we do not know. So he may not have lost his salvation. He must have ended up saved, but he definitely lost his rewards unless he came back and finished. But scripture doesn't say that. We don't know history. Okay. Lot did not lose his salvation, but picture is there. He lost entirely everything. And his children inherited nothing. Okay. So we have to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Never, never give up. First Timothy 4.10 NIV. And for this we labor and strive that we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all men and especially of those who believe. So Paul says, you know what we do? We labor and strive. Ministry is hard labor. He says we labor, we strive. Why? Because we have put our hope in the living God. Living God. Everything that we do, we have to endure till the end. We have to endure till the end. We have to till the end. Please be careful about these things. So when Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4, it is not escapism. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at, um, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, it is not asking us to escape. No, it is not escapism. Our minds are things are on things that are above. So, we actually are the most trustworthy people God has on earth to do his work. He can trust us. Absolutely. Whether you are in the ministry or you are in the secular field, he could trust Joseph. You know why? Because he eyes was on the promise. Potiphar suddenly must be wondering, why is this Hebrew Fais such a hard-working boy with integrity, righteousness, faithfulness? I mean, you know why? Because his hope was living. One day, I have a hope. One day, you know what? That's what I, what I am doing. Why I'm working harder than I'm the first to be up, the last to sleep. I'm working harder than everybody. You know why? Because I have been birthed to a living hope. I have been destined to rule. I have been destined to rule. So it did not matter where he was, whether he was in the palace as a slave or in the prison in a dungeon. You could not change that man's way he worked, his work ethics. You know why? Because he had been birthed into a living hope by two dreams. Get that picture very, very clear. God's kingdom is not full of people of sloth. They are hardworking, pursuing the agenda of God. The living hope motivates us. It is not like scoffers say, the pie in the sky. No. Our hope is very, very real. And how it is manifested, how do you know your hope is living? It shows on how you live day to day. There is a manifestation of the living hope in you. Is the way you live your life day to day. Because you know, I'm running a race. I'm not running without aim. I'm very clearly running. There have been rewards promised. I don't have to run for my eternal life. That is free. I'm given it. But I have been promised an eternal reward, which cannot be corrupted, which cannot be, which does not fade away, which cannot be defiled, but I need to get it. And you know what? I'm going to give everything into that. Because that reward is eternal. The reward is not temporary. 
It is eternal. Revelation 2, 7. Quickly we will go. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Next verse. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. But you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death. I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna to eat. I will give him a white stone. On the stone a new name, written which no one knows except him who receives it. 2.26 He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. I will not blot out his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. 12. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes from down out of heaven from my God. I will write on him my new name. And the final one. To him who overcomes, I will grant to him with me on my, to sit with me on my throne. I also overcame, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who overcomes, 21-7, shall inherit all things and I will be his God. He shall be my. You know what the eternal rewards are? What we are running for? And don't worry about, will I get a place on the throne? If you finish, the throne is so wide and so big. It doesn't matter. Even a billion people end up as over, overcomers. There will be still space. We are not competing with one another. We are not. All of us are running our race. So it, it does not call for complacency. When you are born again into a living hope, it is not calling for complacency. You are telling God, I will be the best I can be in this life with your power, with your strength, by your word, by your spirit and all the gifts you can, I can receive. I will pursue all those things but I want to end as the best I could be. There's no room for complacency. I'm telling you straight up in the beginning. This hope drives us because the one who promised us is faithful. Romans 8, 22-25 and especially verse 24. For we know the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. The cry of the redeemed, saved man is that, you know what? It's not that I want to work less, I want to work more. But you know what? After some time I'm tired. <laughs> I want to sleep. I want to sit down. You know, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. I want to preach without end, serve without end, minister without end. But Lord, you know what is the stumbling block? This terrible body. I am waiting for that other body where you know weariness, no tiredness, no sickness. Neither do you sleep nor slumber because God doesn't sleep nor slumber. You know, Lord, I'm just waiting. For we are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. But why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we 
eagerly wait for it. How? With perseverance. You see, you are not going to suddenly change when you reach there. There are habits which are spiritual. If you do not have the habit of hard work, suddenly you are transported there and I am a hard worker. How can you be? You never had it in your soul. Integrity, you are not going to learn it there. You learn it here. If you do not have the integrity of working here, you will not reach up over there. Oh, suddenly. No, God says, no. Sorry, son. I love you. You are my child. But you are a child. A child cannot inherit. Stay under those angels and stay under all those people who have overcome us. Stay under them. A child, though he is the heir of all things, is no better than a slave. Don't, and I'm telling you straight up, don't end up serving under your maidservant in heaven. Because many of them will reach there as overcomers. They will be kind to you, even if you're not kind to them now. We were called to rule. We were called to rule. We have to persevere. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We were saved with a hope. If you can see and have it, it's not hope. We don't see it, but we know one day. But what is the, what is, what is the, like faith and hope? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So there is faith. Faith is now. Hope is then. If you believe in ruling, then the question is by faith, are you ruling now? Are you ruling now? Are you reigning through grace in righteousness? Are you reigning over sin? Fighting it, battling it every day. Are you reigning over the world or the world reigning over you? Are you reigning over the devil or the devil kicking you around? So this is practice. Job, real job is there. We think the real job is here. God said, no, this is practice. The real job is there. You're all apprentices. You're all, we are all trainees. We are all trainees. The real job you're going to get over there, that's how you face life and you don't get discouraged. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14. <coughs> I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in him. So, we don't live and grieve like people with no hope. We are a people burst with hope. So even when we go through this pandemic and the tragedies with that, be very careful how we are. Be very, very careful. That is why we looked at that verse, Romans 8.28, right? We don't have to go there. All things work together. Why? Because there is this expectancy build over there. You know what? As long as I'm on the right track, ultimately everything will work out. Ultimately everything will work out for my good. It will work out for my good. You have that hope. I'm on, I'm on, my nose is in the right direction. I'm Headed in the right direction. I have birthed in a living hope. Now I'm running my race with expectancy. You know what? It doesn't matter what life throws at me. At the end, it will all work together for my good. That's the hope. It's a hope. It's a blessed hope. 
for those who are called according to his purpose those who love god it will ultimately work out so like i said faith is now hope is connected with the unseen faith is the evidence of things hoped for so everything we do now should be done by faith and that is the evidence of what you are expecting in the time to come when you don't walk by faith here that's because you have no expectations there no expectations there when you're walking by faith here fighting that good fight of faith here contending for the faith over here it's because you're expecting something there absolutely clear you're expecting something over there Titus last few verses and then we'll go to communion Titus chapter 2 11 to 13 for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men it teaches us to say no to ungodliness no to worldly passions to live self control upright godly lives in this present age for what reason while we wait for what the blessed hope what is that blessed hope the glorious appearing of the great god and savior jesus christ and what the scripture says when he comes he comes with his rewards he comes with his rewards and he will reward everyone everyone the blessed hope so we say no to a whole lot of things we say yes to a whole lot of things why we have a blessed hope that when he comes it will be the day of glory and you know what it affects our love for him the hope affects our love for him also jude 1 you beloved building yourself upon your most holy faith it affects our faith praying in the holy spirit keeping yourself in the love of god and i we fam right looking for the for the mercy i mean it's okay mercy it means Okay, if you want to go to and I think it's an IV looking for the mercy or the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Okay, and I also say it's mercy. Okay, there's one translation which said hope. Okay, it's fine. The same thing means the same thing. As you wait, how do you wait? You wait in hope. Christ will bring you to what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Everything you see, it's all connected with eternal life. So like I said it is no pie in the sky. So as we come to communion we'll read revelation my favorite five verses actually my favorite verses in the book of in the entire bible is revelation 21 verse to 5. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also there was no more sea that excites me even more. It doesn't matter how many times I repeat it; it always excites me. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, "Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men; He will dwell with them; they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death." nor sorrow nor crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away verse 5 then he who sat on the throne said behold i make all things new and he said to me right for these words are true 
You know, verses 1 to 4 is true. Because it's told by somebody who's true and faithful. You know what? One day it will literally happen. We will see the city coming down. And we will live with our Father. We no tear, no sorrow, no grief, no sickness, nothing. That is the hope to which we have been born again. That is life without end. Day without night. And day never ends. The day never ends. Because there is no night there. The Lamb is the light. And the gates are never shut. Every gate is one single pearl. Streets are paved with gold. And from the throne of God flows a river. And a street. Only God can do stuff like that. Where a river is a street and a street is a river. And on those sides grow those trees which are for the healing of the nations. Oh wow. You should read 21, 22 over and over again. It is not daydreaming. It's a dream which will become true one day. This is not fantasy fiction. This is real. Why do people love fantasy fiction? Because it's escape from reality. This is not escape from reality. This is preparing for reality. That's why I love those two chapters. It will give you a high. It will lift your faith. You don't need a facelift. You need a faith lift. You need to go with all your heart and read these portions. You know what? You won't be discouraged. You know what? My father is true. Every word is true. Pastor Vijay, could you come? You put the table to the front. Let me tell you another thing about this. Ha, that's that's a dig. When you live with that living hope, the messages are never too long. <laughs> they are never too long. I like that old pastor who said, if you're going to heaven, time doesn't matter. If you're going to hell, you can afford to be late. (laughs) Why hurry to go there? (laughs) If you're going to heaven, I like the KJV version where when there is no time, only KJV uses that. When there is no time. I mean, sometimes KJV is so powerful. Translations take the punch off. When there is no time. I thought that was the best one, but other translations changed it. Can you think about it? When your alarm doesn't, a time when your alarm doesn't ring. <laughs> Let me introduce you to eternity. Think about a time your alarm doesn't ring. Your phone doesn't ring. There are heroes who work nights and send these WhatsApp messages which wake you up at one in the morning, two in the morning. They forget others are sleeping, but they are awake, okay? Your phone doesn't ring. Text messages don't come. Okay? Alarms don't ring. Think about it. Because you are entered into eternity. And if there is a TV, I don't think there is. You switch on news, there is only good news. <laughs> there is only good news. There is no bad news anymore. There's only good news. 
awesome. Okay, I'm just really, really. I'm going to tell you. I've shared this with many times. Twenty-one years ago, when I, twenty-two years ago, when I died in the train and outside three times, I literally died. And when my spirit went to heaven, he didn't show me all of heaven. It's not not possible. The only portion he showed me is where the children are. I'm telling you, even now, of course, it fades with time, but it's still vibrant. It was the most beautiful, most colorful. And I could still, I, I still not remember where the children running or where they're floating. It looked like they were floating. Okay, and one of the things I remember was he showed me, and he said, most of these children are aborted babies. And there were angels, cherubims all around them, watching over them. Watching over them. And it was unbelievably colorful. And all you could see was plants and trees and flowers and these angels and these children running, floating around. The sound of joy and merriment. Just a tiny glimpse of heaven. I'm telling you, but even then, I'm telling you, I even have seen. Even if the spirit can reveal it to us, the soul cannot fathom it. Heaven is nothing like we, we can even imagine. Hollywood, with all its techniques, cannot replicate heaven. So you're going to a really, really wonderful place, okay? And all that we go through, in light of it, are momentary light affliction. Don't get discouraged. Don't get depressed. So we go to communion now, and you know what this table is? This is the table of hope. This is an incredible table. Only we, God's people, have this table. Have this table. You know what? It's a table of living hope. Do do this in remembrance of my death. Till when do we do this? Until he comes. Then it stops. Then we won't be doing it. He will be doing it. We will sit at his table, and he, after two thousand years, will drink the fruit of the wine. That's when he will drink. He hasn't drunk yet. He hasn't drunk yet. According to scripture, he's waiting for the bride to come. He won't drink. He won't drink. He's only drinking an emblem. The real thing is there. And don't worry, nobody will get drunk there. Father, we just come to you this morning, Father. We just want to thank you. Oh, Father, for the life of your son, the death of your son, and above all, the resurrection of your son. Because of his resurrection, and because we put our faith in him, we have been begotten into a living hope, O Lord. So even today, as we partake of this bread and the emblems of your body and the blood that was shed, we have a hope of one day sitting at the table with you, with all the saints who have gone before us. Oh, Adam will be there, Abel will be there, Hanok will be there. Noah will be there. Abraham will be there. All the apostles will be there. All our loved ones who are saved will be there. Oh, what a day it will be, O oh Lord. These are not myths or fantasies. These are dreams that will become true one day. Oh, Father, help us not to forget what your son's death and resurrection means to us. So today, we are partaking it of by faith because we have a blessed hope. Thank you, Father. Everyone who is partaking it here and everyone, I pray 
the table will bring healing. It will bring strength. And it will bring a quickening in the inner man. That when we go from this place, we go with our heads held high in hope and not despair. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Peter. One stanza. Begone unbelief My Savior is near And for my relief Will surely appear By prayer let me wrestle And He will perform With Christ in the vessel I'll smile at a storm Could dark be my way Since He is my guide Tis mine to obey Tis His to provide Though systems be broken And creatures all fail The word He has broken Shall surely prevail His love in time past Forbids me to think But he'll lead me at last In trouble to sink Each sweet Ebenezer I have in review Confirms his good pleasure To help me quite through why should I complain of want or distress, temptation or pain? He told me the less the hairs of salvation I know from His word. Through my tribulation, must follow their words. Be gone unbelief, cruel don't fly away. my weak faith. Bless us of David. Have mercy, oh please. Begone unbelief. Begone far from me. So as we close this morning, this begotten us to a living hope. We'll just read. I'll just read a few verses this morning, one by one. Let them come up on the screen one by one. And you can write it down, note it down in your Bible and read it. So we could close the door. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I have you. Thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly. We rejoice in hope. Why? Because we have been begotten into a living hope. Romans 15, 4. Whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That we through the patience and the comfort of scriptures might have hope. Psalm 147, verse 11. 
The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. Proverbs 23, 18. For surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. Death does not cut our hope off because surely there is a hereafter. Psalm 62, 5 and 6. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock. My salvation is my fortress. I will not be shaken. And finally, Isaiah 40, verse 31 in NIV. We know it is weight, but it also means hope. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Why? Because the hope in us is a living hope. A living hope. Father, this morning we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. Oh, Father, the mystery of the inheritance of the saints. The riches of the inheritance of the saints. The incredible love of the Father towards the saints. That you have kept all this for us. Oh, Father. How can we, knowing all this, walk in distress? Walk in despair? What is this life compared to what you are keeping for us? The eternal life. There is nothing on earth that can compare to life with you. I pray, Father, even today, through the ministry of the word, there will be an opening of eyes. A comfort in the heart, in the soul. That with God, I can never lose. I can never lose. It's impossible for me to lose with God. That truly, all things work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to His purpose. Therefore, we will confess, no, I am not a failure. I may have failed, but I am not a failure. I may have lost many things, but I am not a loser. For God has proclaimed over me, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Oh, Father, help us to set up a face like a flint towards what you have called us. And run our race with perseverance. Endure till the very end and never, never give up. For you never give up on us. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Now I speak healing into everybody that is sick. Peace into every soul that is restless. And above all, Father, may the comfort of the Lord be there, everyone who is grieving. Many have lost dear ones. Or maybe somebody who is listening has lost their eyes. Part of their brain. But that's also temporary. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll get our eyes back. Eyes that will never fail. We'll have brains like no man on earth. The very mind of Christ. All loss is temporary for your children. Oh, Father. That is that blessed hope. That blessed hope. 
the appearance of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, we just want to thank you. Only you could have thought something like this out. Only you could have worked something like this out, Lord. Oh, Father, we just want to thank you, praise you. And bless all your people everywhere in your name. May the hand of God there be upon them. And those who have been fighting this battle for years at the forefront, Brad, Mike, Cherian and their team. Oh, Father, I pray, Lord, they will never, never give up. Yes, their body will tire, but their soul you will quicken every day, Lord. Because they are the ones who have given up most in this battle. And their crowns will be the most. All the others, Lord, you know them. Faithful at their post, day in and day out. Their rewards will be unimaginable. So let them stand firm and run this race till the end. And everyone else who have slackened off and become slothful, I pray there will be a quickening in their spirits now, today, now, that they will get back on track, put their hand back on the plow, and never turn back again. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. Thank you. All we can do is lift up our hands and bless your holy name. Bless your holy name, bless your holy name, and declare Thine is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.